Sports are back, and you can save 40% by subscribing to The Athletic by going to theathletic.com slash NBA show. 40% off a year subscription. One year, 40% off. It's $2.99 a month. I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you, but I'll just tell you this. We're number one in covering sports. I don't know if that's documented, but that's what it feels like. Number one. Basketball's back. Hockey's back. Baseball. Probably going away again, but at least for right now, it's back. The NFL, they think they're coming back. Soccer's back. WNBA's back. We got all kinds of sports and all kinds of sports coverage. So don't miss exclusive, in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save by going to theathletic.com slash NBA show. You receive 40% off a one-year subscription. You won't want to miss the breaking stories of your favorite team. So again, theathletic.com slash NBA show, 40% off. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through Friday on the Athletic Podcast Network. Say woke. Bruh. New York strip steak? Ooh. This is the Basketball Buds. Braised beef short ribs? Dang! With Zach Harper and your favorite athletic writers. Get mad at me, bro. I'm gone. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Basketbuds edition. It's Monday. Well, we're recording on a Sunday, but it's Monday. I'm Zach Harper. Jade Hoy is on vacation, so Mike Smeltz is pushing all the buttons. We got Trevon Edwards. We got Jay King. We've got Wozni Lambre, and we have a very special guest, Kavitha Davidson of The Lead, host, editorial director of The Lead, the number one podcast on the internet. Kavitha, isn't that true? Like, we don't, I don't even need evidence to back that up. It feels like the number one podcast. I mean, if you say it, I'm going to believe it to be true. So I'll take it. Why would I lie about this? Right? Because she works for the company. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, no, I mean that's a that's a good argument. (laughs) I mean, we're all just a family, right? Yeah, you know, this was a really good podcast, though. Again, feels like I appreciate that. I appreciate that. We had Waz on uh, last week, and we love we love when we can have you guys on. It's always fun. So yeah, I noticed Waz Waz got Waz, on there. Um, yeah. yeah, I noticed Waz got on there. I that. <laughs> well, I that one. But I got to say, <laughs> that we've had Waz on twice, and I have oh, yet twice? to be able oh. to interview him, oh. and I'm mad about it. Oh. So next time we have you on, Waz, I'm, I'm going to push to be the host oh, of that Oh, a third episode. time. Yeah, get yes. Waz on a please do. Third time. Please do. Sounds, third time. Yeah, third. Zach, how many times you been on there? Uh, you had to be there four times check. Let me check my schedule. Just kind of see. Zero. Oh, man. Wow, that's crazy. He's going to get on third time. Okay. All right. Still hasn't gotten the Harper bump. Waz is back, just like the NBA's back. Everybody, last time we talked to you, we were getting ready for the season restart. And now we have four days of season restart under our belts. And you know what that means. We're talking anthem. Because that's <laughs> that's what's that's what's the story right now, guys. Um, the national anthem. They play it. Everyone's kneeling, coaches are kneeling, referees are kneeling, players are kneeling, minus Jonathan Isaac, who at the time of recording this podcast may have just blown out his knee. Um, so that is going to be a weird way to talk about this because it's going to be a lot of like what he was saying or trying to say. And in the background, he is in a lot of pain right now. So um, we'll keep that in mind. But Jonathan Isaac did not wear the Black Lives Matter shirt and he uh, and he did not kneel. He, he said he stood there and prayed and he talked to his teammates before it and let them know what he was going to do. Then Myers Leonard, also another player who did not uh, did not kneel during the national anthem. He gave an explanation to Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports that was um, that was a pretty good explanation. He did wear the Black Lives Matter shirt. And then Greg Popovich and Becky Hammond both stood during the anthem. And so, Kavitha, with 
with everything going on in sports, we this is a very different climate than it was four years ago when a lot of this stuff came up uh, with Colin Kaepernick and the NFL. Um, are you surprised by the blowback to those who those few who haven't knelt during this when everyone else is, or do you just kind of expect this reaction these days? I kind of expect everyone to have every reaction whenever someone does something during the anthem, whether it's standing or kneeling, but it is surprising. It kind of shows you how far we've come in the last four years that the outlier move is to stand, is not to kneel. But, you know, I think that it's fair to ask that question. What's been so striking about these demonstrations in the NBA is how unified they really have been, how team-wide and league-wide they've been. So then, you know, when a player decides to stand or when a coach decides to stand, it does stand out. And I think it's fair to ask them what their reasoning was there. Man, I I don't want to be the contrarian here, but I, I'm, I'm a bit annoyed by the quote-unquote blowback or pushback because it just seems so reactionary. Um, you know, four years ago, when Colin Kaepernick was getting all of this guff, all of this blowback, all of this pushback, the, the conversation was essentially the guy should be allowed to feel how he wants to feel about the flag, do essentially what he feels like doing during the anthem. So I don't know how we could go from four years of that to now saying, no, 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 you need to do exactly what everybody else is doing. I, I don't understand well, that. Yeah, was, that not, was my I, question. Was like, isn't the point of fighting for people to be able to kneel so that everyone can choose what they want to do? And I, like, I think you need. I really think you should be outwardly in favor of and supporting Black Lives Matter. You know, protests and demonstrations against police brutality, all that stuff. But I thought, still at the same time, like the the reason for this was that everyone gets to choose what they want to do. I mean, that's what I thought, <laughs> but it just, it just, I like, I like Popovich's response when he's basically like, "Look, this is a personal choice for me, man. Like, you know, I, I'm riding with my guys, but that flag means something to me. It like, and and that's cool. Like, go ahead, have the flag mean something for you. It's just people need to understand and just acknowledge that that's not the case for everybody." Well, listen, if if you think that Popovich standing during the anthem means that he doesn't think Black Lives Matter, you just haven't been paying attention in the last few years. Like he was asked before the Grizzlies game, he was asked some like innocuous question about Marco Bellinelli's status. And he launched into this incredibly eloquent, long speech about racial injustice and literacy tests as voting requirements. He spoke for like two and a half minutes about this. And then the end of that answer was, and by the way, Marco's out tonight. Like, you know, so so that is. You know, what these players talked about going into the season was using their platform, was making sure that they weren't distracting from these larger issues, but using the fact that they're playing to talk about these issues. So someone like Pop is demonstrating how to do that, even if he's standing during the anthem. So you can't kill him for standing. Yeah, I, that's just that's that, that, that's just my my entire thought on it. Um, I saw, You know, the, the Isaac. Jonathan Isaac's interview that where, you know, they asked him about it and he clearly wasn't ready to answer the question in in, in like a, you know, an articulate, clear, concise fashion. He was kind of tripped up by the idea that he didn't kneel and that he might have to answer for it. Uh, you know, I, I you know, part of me is just like. It's Jonathan freaking Isaacs. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> you know, like I I didn't wake up that day like caring about what this kid thought or how he felt about anthems or, you know, racial oppression in America. I don't know. It just seems silly to go after 
um, that kid. I mean, of course, it would have been nice for him to just have his answer and move on. But, you know, Popovich sort of showed why he's Popovich. Um, you know, he was ready. He could see in the future what the blowback would be. And he had his answer ready. And, I, and it was more than satisfactory to me. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm happy that the league has decided to not completely sideline the things that are going on in the streets. But part of me, I, I can't lie, feels annoyed by the fact that it feels like a rebuttal to Kyrie Irving's failed coup attempt. Like, it feels like they're directly responding to the idiocy that was that Kyrie thing. And that, I don't know, it just kind of annoys me because some of it, like the the, the run-up with the jerseys and, and all of that stuff, has felt so ham-fisted because an issue that wasn't really real, essentially, the idea that the NBA could stop MSNBC and CNN and, and, and Fox News from covering um, riots or protest or police stuff. It just seemed like it was a stu- it was a straw man to begin with. So the idea that the NBA would sort of be um, responding to Kyrie's idiocy with like this hand-handed, hand-fisted, you know, aggressive muscular response kind of annoys me. But, you know, in the aggregate... I'm happy that guys like Jalen Brown, for instance, post game, you know, going into an entire diatribe about, you know, all the all the things that go into the anthem and how people don't even think about these things. That's cool, but I can't lie; it's just it, it feels like it, it feels like a, a direct response to that. What people thought was a concern that would mess up the bubble, all, you know, all those weeks ago. Well, let's let's. You know, let's not get it twisted a little bit. Like Kyrie Irving's thing on its face was about not distracting from the larger message, but it was also really about kind of using this leverage to fight for more labor rights, to fight for hazard pay, to fight for better safety protocols that, um, you know, that might not have been solidified at that time. So so there was an actual purpose there, even if on its face it kind of looked performative and like, you know, Kyrie wasn't even going to play. Of course, he's going to lead this kind of attempted coup, right? But I think when you're talking about anthems, like standing during the anthem with what we've seen these last few days, we can't forget that Jonathan Isaac's teammates, Myers Leonard's teammates, Popovich's players, all of them have said, listen, we know what is in these guys' hearts. We don't think that them standing means that they don't think Black Lives Matter. And even if we might have our individual thoughts about standing or kneeling during the anthem, we've got to take these players at their word that they believe that about their teammates. Yeah, well, so, Trey, I'm curious about your stance on this because, or I guess uh, what Jonathan Isaac said, because... He he did seem like he didn't he wasn't prepared to answer this like he was hung up in the air for a while kind of and and maybe the most most coherent parts of what he said were when he was trying to find what he wanted to say as he was talking about Black Lives Matter and and I felt like look I don't want to hold him to the standard of Pop talking about this because Pop has like fifty years on him right like I expect anyone with more experience um, to to be able to talk about this stuff in a in an easier way. Um, whether that's Pop, whether that's Alvin Gentry, whether that's Rick Carlisle, you know Doc Rivers, whoever, like I expect them to offer um, a better a, a better perspective on a lot of this stuff when it comes to just voicing their you know how they feel. But at the same time, like I felt like Jonathan Isaac didn't need to explain anything to us. He could have just said, "This is something I talked about with my teammates. I have my personal reasons. I'm going to leave it at that. Let's talk about basketball." But since he did start to talk about it and he got into religion, he got into like almost semantics about religion. 
Um, I felt like that's what sank him. Um, I think, like you said, he wasn't prepared for the question. I don't think most of the guys really are prepared for it. But if you do make those stance, I think Myers Leonard had his a little bit thought out. But for Jonathan Isaacs, like for him to have that attention, I think his main goal was just to, you know, to profess his love for Jesus Christ and, and also spread the message for people that might not be tapped in that way. So um, for the most part, like I said, with Taylor asking him that questions, um, it caught him off guard, but then he also had an answer and he felt like his result was that, you know, we need, although we're acknowledging racism, we need to acknowledge the other stuff, the other ills of the world. You know what I mean? And that was his main picture. Like, although yes, black lives matter, he didn't discredit the BLM movement. He didn't discredit anyone else. He's just saying that in a world that has so many other issues outside of racism, that it needs to be acknowledged that we all have something to work on and that with God and you pray and, you know, and making those strides could fix, could heal the world. You know what I mean? So that was what he used his platform on. But you can't be mad when certain people make a different stance. You can't look at them as a radical or someone who, you know, usually they're loosely using not nice words on the Internet. Everybody should have the freedom to do it. I think the difference between um, the one baseball member that plays for the Giants, he said, you know, about Christianity. It's like, well, do you feel like that there's no black Christians? You know what I mean? Like you did it not because you're a Christian. You know what I'm saying? That's That was your example. And it's like, I don't think there's any race. There's all type of Christians, you know what I mean? Black, white, whoever. And in this scenario, that was an ignorant statement. Jonathan Isaacs didn't do that. And I think he shouldn't be, you know, uh, vilified for his stance because, again, uh, earlier, I think you mentioned that, um, you know, Pop didn't decide to take a knee, but he has been very vocal on what's going on in the current state of the United States. So, Also, don't people remember when Jerry Jones did that nonsense display? Oh, <laughs> the, the, two, the two knees, he makes sure he state. looks that at the camera. So he, it's before the anthem. Like, he, oh, man, he is Does a anybody want that class. as an alternative? Like, no. It's just like, we don't need it, man. Do what you feel comfortable right. with. It's well, all, it's, all empty, it's all empty gestures at this point. I mean, like. Yeah, if you don't, if you're not doing anything beyond this, Trey, like, it is just, an, it's, it can, it can absolutely come off as empty, right? Yeah, I like I like where the NBA is trying to go with it, but it still shouldn't be a sports entity's responsibility. You know what I'm saying? Like, because everybody's not going to be happy from this. You got some people that's like, yeah, Black Lives Matter on the court. And you got some people that's like, oh, I'm never watching sport again. You know what I'm saying? They feel force fed, which is fine. Like, I'm not going to be mad at any sports fan because, again... It's asking for a lot, and I, but I think the NFL kind of laid down that ground of like, how can we do better than what they did? Right. You yeah, and the, and, so, and that's always a small, a short hurdle go. to get over um, when you're comparing yourself to the NFL. Jay, I want to ask you about Jalen Brown because after a phenomenal performance and a really fun win over the over the Portland Trailblazers on Sunday, he came out and talked about the anthem and talked about Francis Scott Key and talked about how, hey, by the way, that third verse that we never get to, uh, it's about, you know, kind of referencing slavery and uh, and maybe we should be more cognizant of what we're, you know, kind of what we're listening to before he got into the basketball stuff. What's been the reaction of that so far? Oh, I think, first of all, Jalen has been outspoken for years on a lot of this stuff and He's been outspoken for years about the need for education reform. He's been outspoken for years about how, you know, police brutality 
as much of a problem as it is, isn't nearly the only problem and that the systemic oppression of black people takes place in many other forms. And so he's he's been about this fight for a long time. He's spoken at Harvard. He's spoken at MIT. He's not just some guy coming late to this party. Like He's been here the whole time. Um, I think in, in his case, especially like, like this stuff matters to him. And like, I never thought about Francis Scott key being a slave. Owner. Like that is something I had never literally never thought about. And, and There's so I appreciate, I never thought about before right? <laughs> the past four months is what I'm realizing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when you really think about that, like this national anthem that everybody is forced to were used to be forced to kind of forced to stand and and salute it's it's by a slave owner and so when you really think about a lot of this stuff and as Jalen pointed out a lot of this stuff is so deeply embedded in in what we've done for so long that we don't even think about it and and that's sad and I do, I do appreciate the education fact of this that that a lot of guys like like pop are coming out and and saying, look, this is what happened 120 years ago in this country. Jalen comes out says, when I think about the anthem, I think about how the guy who wrote it is a slave owner. I think that education piece of it gives another layer to it that that hits home for me at least. Yeah, well, Kavitha, I'm this is something that's kind of fascinated me ever since the Deshaun Jackson, um, you know, Hitler quote, I get, which is a weird thing to say out loud, but. Um, <laughs> But it's it's and and it and it kind of took that at least for me to to not realize this, but to start to try to emphasize this of like okay, people are going to say things, they're going to quote or misquote, or you know they're going to screw things up or they're going to get it right. But I think like instead of outrage, and we've talked so much about cancel culture both on and off this podcast um, as a group, that like okay, if, if there's malice behind these comments and these examples or things people are doing or saying in in their demonstrations that aren't promoting equality, okay, that, like, all right, let's 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 get after that person. But when we're talking about a lot of this stuff, whether it's Jonathan Isaac, whether it's Greg Popovich, Myers Leonard, Deshaun Jackson, whatever, I've just gone a lot more towards, well, what if we just use this opportunity to educate, right? Like this person, and I'm not even saying Jonathan Isaac's in the wrong here necessarily. If he decided, hey, it's more important for me to pray during this time, and I don't feel like this is actually helping the Black Lives Matter movement, so I, I'm not going to participate in it. If that's his feeling, like I, I don't care. That's up to him. That's a personal thing. But when all these discussions, instead of, hey, this guy now is second in NBA jersey sales, and oh, and now he just blew out his knee Sunday night, and and so oh, now you know is that karma or stuff like that? Instead of like trying to find some kind of retribution or revenge, I feel like it's like let's just talk about it. But you know what's pathetic? You know what's pathetic is that you want the education piece to come from NBA players and NBA coaches when schools don't teach this shit. I mean, that's that's really where 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 I I fall on this is that I think it's I think it's phenomenal that players now have this have have feel empowered to use their platform in a way that they didn't five years ago and and not just cap but lebron has absolutely been at the forefront of that and we can also can't just forget about maya moore and and the work of some of the women in the wnba but you know that that they are using this to not just educate but register voters and actually fight for legislative prison reform and things like that but at the same time I do think it is a little unfair not to be condescending, but I do think it is a little unfair to expect an athlete to be able to be really 
articulate and knowledgeable about some of these issues when this isn't what they do and it's not their responsibility and it's not what they should do, um, what they should be responsible for. I remember, I think it was like five or six years ago, Dwight Howard got in a lot of trouble for tweeting free Palestine. And he just, he did it because someone sent him an article about some of the things that were happening to Palestinian children. And, and he tweeted about it because he thought that what he read was inhumane, but he didn't understand the you know, thousands of years of history that he was wading into here. And people, you know, people killed him for it. And they said that he was anti-Semitic and he's anti-Israel and all of these things. And he didn't have any idea that that was what he was commenting on, you know? And, and I think that that's just, that's unfair in some ways. I think that it's great when players are empowered and are informed and can use this. But I also do think, you know, to go back to Jonathan Isaac, he was completely unprepared to answer that question, as, as we've said, Right. But at the same time, I think he should expect that he's going to be asked that. And I don't think that it's unfair to ask him the question. Um, but I do. I, I, but I, at the same time, I do think that he has the right to stand and not be accused of being an Uncle Tom or not caring about black lives. <laughs> I have a question. Were um, NBA GMs asked to defend Dwight Howard's statement? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just fucking <laughs> I don't know. I'm well, I mean, fine. yeah, you guys, like, actually, let's talk about that part of it. Like, why is this, you know... Right, where are, where are executives, right? Other than, like, where other are than executives Pop, like... Uh, well, I guess Daryl Morey's not allowed to tweet anymore, but... Steve Kerr a little bit. Right, too. yeah. <laughs> But like right, like like where are the owners and where like I look, if a player wants to use their platform, if they have the opportunity to influence, I'm all for it because I'm I'm obviously very pro player empowerment. I think I'm pretty on record with that on this podcast. And and I and I think that they can reach people in a way um that maybe others can't. But at the same time, like I don't know why they're tasked with, hey, not only do you have to do this, but you have to get everything right. Now I think if you're gonna speak about it, you should know your shit. Like I think you got to speak from a from a place of knowledge as best you can. But when someone says something and then all these people jump on, well, what about this incident? And if they're like, I didn't know, right? Like there's there's tons right. of shit you. Well, as you mentioned over the last four months, there's stuff you've you've thought about you Man. never thought you would think about. And there are times where I read stuff, I was like, well, shit, I didn't know that. And and Zach, I'm talking about as a black person, I'm talking about stuff that relates to black people <laughs> that I haven't been thinking that I straight up never thought about before. The last four months, you know, um, and by the way, Juneteenth, which we talked about, well, not on here, but like that being one of them, like I'm watching like people getting days off and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, guys, like, I swear to God, I didn't know the meaning, the history, the origin and none of this stuff until quarantine and, you know, the, the, the police killings and all of that stuff. And I've been black for 33 years now. In a row? And I've been black my whole life. <laughs> In a row? Wow. That's got to be some kind of record, Was That's the real accomplishment. Yeah. That's... <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get into let's get into some basketball. Some actual basketball. The Lakers. That's right. The Los Angeles Lakers. The number one team in the NBA. The only team in the NBA, some would say. Um, they had two big games. They go out and they, they eke out a, a very close, very fun, but kind of ugly win against the Clippers on Thursday night to help tip this off. Uh, this whole restart off, and then they come out uh, last night, well, I guess Saturday night, if you're listening to this on a Monday, and they just get obliterated by the Raptors in the fourth quarter. Close game up until that point, Raptors get hot from three, Raptors get hot from all over the floor, and the Lakers just couldn't make shots. And so through two games, Lakers have played pretty good defense for the most part, but they haven't been able to make shots. Trey, is this just rust and trying to get things back in, into the groove, or is there actual concern that the Lakers' offense may may need some real time to get going. 
Uh, I think they'll need some time. I think after these eight games, they'll be able to at least cruise through the first round. Um, second round is going to be through Vogel and, and how guys respond to adjustments and stuff like that. But as of right now, I wouldn't be too concerned. Um, they're trying different things out. You know, you have to factor in that guy's been away for months, even though practice is practice, but it's not the games. And sometimes it has to translate. And I've seen a lot of guys, as since I've been watching, struggle from the three-point line. And some guys have picked it up. So, again, I think it's just more so adjusting um, to the floor and everything and just getting a good feel. And I think the Lakers will be okay. I think their offense is a, a legitimate issue. I, I think their lack of three-point shooting, their 22nd, I believe, in three-point makes per game. They are. They don't have a lot of shooters, and then they lost Avery Bradley, who was at least decent from the three-point arc. So I, I think the spacing is an issue. I think the fact that LeBron, I believe, leads their team in three-point makes, that's not a great sign because normally you want to have a lot of good shooters around him. I, I think shooting is a real issue for them, and I, I, I think they're going to win the title, but they, they go through stretches where they just cannot put the ball through the basket and that tends to matter in basketball. Well, I think what was most concerning to me about about that Clippers-Lakers game is that, you know, you have this monster game from Anthony Davis, but you can't expect Anthony Davis to put up 34 points in every game. And you see in that Raptors game what happens to the Lakers when, when he gets shut down by a stifling defense, right? And you saw something in that third quarter against the Clippers that kind of spoke to what you just said about spacing. When the Lakers put in Caruso and Kuzma, when they go to a much smaller team, Anthony Davis has way more space to work and he can do his thing. But then if you if you face a, a defense and when they go bigger, it's it's really a problem. And and the fact that they don't have shooters to supplement that, I, I think does does raise con- some concerns there. Yeah, well, I mean, the the big key, at least the two positives out of this game or out of these two games have been like Kuzma looks better and he's shot well from three, right? So he at least from three point range, like he's been he's been he hasn't been part of the problem. And then Trey Philly Cheese, Deion Waiters, he looks good in two games. I know it's just two reseeding games, but for those of us who have been on Waiters Island this whole time, just, you know, passed out in a chair, high out of our minds, on Waiters Island, waiting for him to get back on the court, this is encouraging. We need to change his name, because that's a weed strain. <laughs> but, Trey, yes, I have a feeling that um, any any name he changes to will become a weed strain. <laughs> Okay, fair. Um, But, yeah, no, this is the moment he's been waiting for. He likes the underdog feel. He only played four games prior to, you know, scrimmages and the other game the other night. So um, he has a chip on his shoulder, and that's the thing what the Lakers have have kind of figured out how to do is find guys that want something to prove, like J.R. Smith, Deion Waiters, and, and company. But this guy can play. You know, prior to him having his, you know, shenanigans in Miami with this team, they're not going to allow him to get off course. And what he gives on the offensive end, whether it's ball handling or scoring, is going to be perfect. Because if Kyle Kuzma has a bad game, have no fear. Deion Waiters is here. Well, I mean, Waz, I feel like, I mean, we know LeBron leaves the floor in this team is the Pelicans, right? And not the fun Pelicans. They're just the Pelicans again. I'm not saying Dion's going to change all of that, but it at least to me it's a better option than when Rondo comes back because Ron, like yeah, Rondo's not good anymore. He's better right? like than he's Rajon okay. Rondo. He's just a better player than that dude is. That's just straight up and down. Um, I know on Twitter more so than real life. I feel like 
when you talk to Lakers fans around Los Angeles who aren't like NBA sickos, um, they like Rondo because you know the championship pedigree, the the assist, the passing, the like to the naked eye, he seems like some type of effective player, but he's been pretty bad all season long. Like he hasn't been very good. And I just think Dion Waiters, as far as shot creation, as far as you know, not just getting his own shot off, getting stuff going to the basket, right? Like, somebody who can actually collapse a defense every now and again is important. And that's what I take. More so than the results of this game, um, I'm encouraged by the type of defense LeBron played against the Clippers. I mean, I know everybody talked about the last possession where he was just sound in his in, in his fundamentals and actually doing foot fires. Like, yeah, that was great, but he was doing that all game. Um, I, I was encouraged by just the Clippers matchup specifically, um, unless you think Montrez Harrell is the Anthony Davis stopper, I don't think there's anybody on that team who can check him one-on-one. And so if you're a Lakers person, you should be encouraged by that. And lastly, uh, we, what we have not seen offensively for the Lakers is LeBron in the post, um, for whatever reason. And that, and that's been kind of all season. He's kind of like he's been like, all right, we're going to do the pick and roll offensive type of stuff. I'm going to try to find shooters. But I, I don't think there's a team that possesses any anybody who's going to consistently guard him one-on-one when he gets good position from 10 to 12 feet. I think so. I think so. If, they, if they're playing Davis at the five, I think they'll have enough because those shots are wide open. When he's collapsing the defense. So it's not like they're making... I don't think those shots are heavily contested if LeBron is able to collapse these defenses from the post. Because, you know, like the last few years, man, he's he's basically been abusing people, right? Like he's either scoring, he's getting fouled, or when you send the second or third guy, he's finding the open shooter. So to me, I'm, I've been more encouraged by... The Lakers in the last two games, but that might have something to do with the fact that I picked them to win the championship. Well, you, before the season. you know what? You know what we saw Saturday <laughs> night was in that second game. We saw mm. a finals preview. You know, <laughs> we saw a finals preview. Raps Lakers, and you know what? I might, oh, I, I might change you. my pick. I think I was trying to think like, oh, what's the most annoying oh, thing boy. that could happen? <laughs> With this championship, and I thought, oh, it would be LeBron winning it, not because it's not because of anything to do with LeBron necessarily, but just the way we're going to talk about this championship right. as a collective, a anyway, right? And and, right, and the right, fact right. that it would go to LeBron and it's his fourth title, be like, does he really have four titles? You know, it would be that kind of reaction. But actually, the Raptors <laughs> going back to back championship oh, people, this people worried about the ratings now uh, just wait, <laughs> wait but for real can we talk about why the raptors were just slept on by everyone going into going into this bubble like did we just forget that they had the second best defense in the league that they lost the best perimeter defender in the offseason and still didn't miss a beat like everything that the clippers couldn't do against anthony davis the raptors managed to do and this isn't this shouldn't be surprising to anyone who's actually watched them um so i just don't really understand why everyone kind of forgot about the defending champs over well, here. Well, Kavitha, so, some people... Isn't, defense some, isn't sexy. Well, defense some people, is like a reliable station wagon. Some people made know? a prediction, a you know, right as the bubble was started. <laughs> some people made a prediction. I've heard some, like, pretty interesting people made a, a Raptors in the finals prediction. Um, now, I, know, I don't know if I can find that. Somewhere in the athletic. <laughs> I know that. Oh, no, this, I'll look for it. I'll look person, for it. You guys talk. I'll look for it. Does this person use a lot of hair product? <laughs> not these days, Waz. Not with all of this hair. 
It was too much hair now for hair product. The like Raptors have so much defensive IQ. It's yep. ridiculous. Like yep. Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, Marcus Gasol, Ibaka, Anunoby. Oh. They all, their defensive IQ. Even Siakam. Yes, yeah, Siakam is a, a high defender. IQ yeah. defensive I, I, guy. I inadvertently left him off the list. But they're just so smart. And, and Nick Nurse is obviously a great, great coach. But they, they can do anything on the fly. They can switch anything on the fly. They're just all in the perfect place all the time. They're all tough. I love watching their defense play. And I, I don't think those guys got enough credit last year during the playoffs because Kawhi took so much of the credit that everybody else doing what they did kind of went unnoticed. But Ibaka now he's not there. excellent in the last two rounds. Yeah. Excellent. And Skinny Gasol could really move. But what was interesting about about what we saw too. from that Raptors defense <laughs> is we're used to Nick Nurse just throwing out ridiculous scheme after scheme, right? He didn't really do that. He was fairly consistent with with what he was drawing up. And still, they just completely covered the paint. They gave AD no space there. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm high on the Raptors, but I was high on the Raptors going in. Uh, I mean... I know as we're recording this, we're like a, a minute into this Bucks Rockets game, so we'll see what happens uh, with the Bucks. But anything about the Bucks against the Celtics? Uh, what was that on Friday? Um, change anyone's perception? I mean, the, the Bucks Bucks still look really good, right? The Celtics just don't got nothing for Giannis. They just it's, Listen, it's just tough. I'm going to continue man. to ride with the team I've been covering all year. Um, you can complain about that Giannis is getting the calls. Of course he is. He's the MVP, and he might. Yes. He might raise that uh, that trophy up again. So the Hell thing yeah. is, is not complain, but do better at a better chance of stopping him, which you probably can't because he's going Euro, 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 freak, <laughs> right on your head and call it a day. And how they're playing, dude, like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like I said, we bigged up Toronto and respect to their defense, but, man, I, I like to I, – I, I like – I'm sorry, I like Milwaukee. And what they doing, man. And if Bud can actually, you know, make some adjustments when they see each other in the playoffs, we might be going to more well, not going to Milwaukee, but the finals in the bubble <laughs> would have Milwaukee. And that's unfortunate. Up. We won't get to have any brats or, you know, German beer. It's unfortunate. Hey, Milwaukee's nice in the summer. I think. I don't know. I've it's, never been. It is. It is. It's got it to be, it it nice, be nicer than the winter. Oh, yeah. I forgot Trey had some some um, Milwaukee time in his past. Yeah, I lived in Milwaukee. Shout out to Milwaukee has like a bunch of really nice summer festivals and outdoor things that, that have obviously had to be canceled. So that's kind of sad for them. But this would have been, you know, this would have been a fun time to be in Milwaukee. The Celtics writers always give me so much shit because like the first nice day of the year, we were in Milwaukee last year for the playoffs. I was like, you know what? I, I think I'm a real Milwaukee guy. <laughs> <laughs> you saw the Fonzie, you saw the Fonzie so the, statue, and you just thought, all right, I'm in. Yeah, I, actually, that was two years ago, and then the next year we went back, and it was snowing and snowing and snowing <laughs> in like late April or or May or whatever the hell it was. So they always call me a Milwaukee guy. It's 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 crazy to 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 know that we replace um, LeBron with his heir apparent in the East. And we gotta go from Cleveland to Milwaukee. I mean, like, was 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 was. It's an upgrade. Like, wow. It's an upgrade. Okay? No, of course, of course, of course. Shouts to Fun Street. <laughs> All half. That's a block what Jade of it. calls Fourth Street in 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 Cleveland. It's Fun more an street. alleyway than a street, <laughs> right? Like, no, it's, but he's like, like they clearly was like, this is the street we're gonna make into a thing, the Fun Street, <laughs> and it just you know. It's, 
But I did enjoy that spot with the um bikes in the in oh, the sky is it called like greenhouse or something like that? Yeah, it's good. It's good. I had some good grub over. Yeah, there. we had the pig's head there. I don't know if you were there when we had the pig's head, but that was that was a real experience. Missed the pig's head. Missed the pig's head. But I did have the worst Mexican food in the history of my life at El Barrio. Oh, that place is rough. Oh my goodness! Oh, I'm Jesus a barrio Christ. guy. Oh, well, oh right, no! Right. Stop you talking. Build your own tacos. <laughs> Give me barrio. <laughs> what? Jay, what I will. I will. About? I will stand here Jay. and support barrio. Jay, Jay, Jay I'll be you like better Myers be talking Leonard about out here taking barrio. Jay, Jay, Jay. I hate to be this Los Angeles person, but you just can't, can't, <laughs> can't call that decent Mexican food, man. It's Oh Lord, have mercy! So you, you just made the wrong taco. San Diego's name, exactly. Well, Sandy, of course, San Diego, of course, if Maze is listening, he's gonna be mad if we don't mention the Bay, um, San Francisco, and all of that. They allegedly invented the burrito. Um, but yeah, man. Kavita, where's where's the uh, best Mexican food you've had? It's definitely L.A., uh, and I say that as a New Yorker who hates L.A. <laughs> I hates L.A.? Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Hey, have you ever, have you ever lived in L.A.? As a Los Angeles I'm person. living in L.A. right now. Okay, but, but, but how long? How long? Uh, I moved here in September for the show. Okay, so it, it so Waz moved here from time. New York. I think it took him about nine regular months before he became an official Angelino and, and cut ties with all of his New York roots. <laughs> so I don't know what that's going to mean with COVID I think, months. I think... I think it's especially if if the food. I think there's just a different process of finding food that you like in New York because it's just you're just bombarded with shit. It's just more accessible. I don't know how right. to drive. You can't not drive in L.A. I'm like, you know, I'm very against car culture. It's a whole thing. Like, it's just it's not for me. You know, but to, I, I don't. To be I don't fair. enjoy hiking. You know. Oh yeah, then you definitely don't like this place. <laughs> like, it's like actually nothing for me here. <laughs> to be fair, me being the you know the resident Angelino Compton resident uh i don't love the east coast like that so i right. get it it's a trade-off i mean we like it's what we like honestly when when new yorkers come here and they say they don't like it i'm just like man i i, I don't understand it i mean it's, it's for me but i hit the ground running you know like it it, it was um it was ripping the food thing definitely i was just like i think like, it's i think the food thing is a huge thing also delivery not being a thing out here is just a whole like like it just offends my. Soul. No, you just gotta spend um forty dollars every time. No, why are there, no, 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 no. there four different delivery fees? Can you explain this to me? <laughs> Hold on, no, 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 you just gotta get the the Postmates Unlimited unless we have a different sponsor and then get their version of Unlimited. Facts, um, facts, and, and then exactly. it's good. And then you, you can do. I mean, it depends on how much you order, but if you order like more than three times in a month, it pays for itself. No, listen, I'll tell. No, but then there's a service fee, and then there's a packing fee, and then I don't know. Like there's like four <laughs> different fees. It's just it's like I, I I swear to God, I was ordering like pad Thai or something the other day and the thing was twelve dollars and it came to twenty eight with the fees. Like goodness that's unsustainable. You can't have the fees be more than the food. Right. That, is, that does seem untenable. Um all right. So it sounds like you're not a, a fan of delivery in LA, but are you a virtual fan? Not a great segue, but I made it happen. All right. Um the <laughs> that virtual didn't even make sense. The, I know it didn't. Uh the virtual fans, we've seen Chris Bosch. We saw sort of Carrie Kittles. He kept like cutting out. Uh, during one of those games, but we've seen we've seen the virtual fans be a thing. Uh, we were here. I we saw what was it? It was the Wizards Nets game, I think, or maybe it was Grizzly Spurs. One of those games I was watching today. Uh, someone put up an air ball, and they played the air ball chant because it was the road team who shot it. To which I thought that is brutal. Like to be in an empty gym and you're still getting the air ball chant if you air ball it is 
brutal. But what do we think of the game ops so far, everybody, in terms of the first four days of this restart, what they've been doing? Way too much fake noise. Way too much fake noise. I, I, I really wanted to be able to hear some of the communication going on between players, whether it was trash talk, whether it was, you know, talk between defenders pointing each other. I wanted to hear all that. We don't hear any more of that than we do during a normal time. Instead, we get like visuals of Paul Pierce looking bored as hell during a Celtics game, like he's being held hostage <laughs> by the damn virtual fan people. And I, I, I just think they're they're making it too artificial. Maybe that maybe I'm in the minority here because I'm like a big, big basketball fan in general, and they're catering more toward a casual fan. But I just think this was a unique opportunity to put more emphasis on what happens on the basketball court, and they haven't done that at all. Yeah, the I mean, I'm a big fan of of the option that ESPN is giving you yeah. to just have like the the camera with just the the, the court noise. Because I listen, my favorite part of of any game is when players are mic'd up. So give me a whole game of that, and I'm good. They have to on the virtual fans. Like I get what they're doing. It's a really nice way for for fans to feel engaged when you know we're all just sitting at home. I'm gonna be a little bit cynical about this and say that we can't forget that this is part of a multi year sponsorship deal that they signed with Microsoft in April. Right. Like they were doing virtual fans here no matter what. But they've got to fix this like weird sizing problem. It's weird that like people's heads are different sizes and that well, uh, they haven't figured out that part of it. Yeah, if we're gonna do that, right? Like I want when there's a free throw. For the road team, uh, like I'm watching Bucks Rockets right now, and and if the if the Bucks go to the free throw line behind the free throw basket, the one they're shooting on, I want just one giant face. I want it to look like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man looking over the the roof in Ghostbusters. Like that's what I want to. I want to like let's get weird with it if we're gonna do it. Like let's make it creative, not just a bunch of people like popping their shirts. As, you know when James Harden draws a foul. Like I don't want to see that. that- I thought one cool use of it was this in the during the Celtics game they had obviously Paul Pierce but they also had Jason Tatum's kid they had Brad Wanamaker's kid they had Kemba Walker's mom so I, I like that for players to be able to look up and see familiar faces and to let those people like let their their celebrations be seen I think that's a at least a creative use of it that I can get get behind yeah I, I'm not a virtual fan guy though I, I think those that <laughs> idea needs to be punted to the moon. They had Chris Paul's son, and Chris Paul looks confused as all hell when he turned around right, and yeah, saw well, they, that. So baseball, you know, back when that w- that season was going on, because I'll just assume by the time this is posted, <laughs> it's been canceled. But baseball did like the opening weekend. I'm watching Mets Braves, and they're talking about how like when the Braves get back to Atlanta, uh, one of the pitchers like they put cutouts of his dog in the stands to make him feel more at home. Like when has he ever been pitching and seen his dog in the stands? Like how does that make sense? <laughs> Like, that doesn't make sense to me. If you're going to do it, I do want it to be creative. I tweeted this earlier where, like, when Boban's in the game and the Mavs are the away team tonight against the Suns, it just needs to be nothing but John Wick, right? (laughs) Spoiler alert, John Wick kills him in John Wick 3. I don't know if that was, you know, I don't know if you thought Boban was going to win that one, but it should just be nothing nothing but John Wick. That should be the only thing on the board whenever he's in the game just to try to freak him out. Like, if if anything, like, I feel like the only way we're going to get something to actually impact the game is to do kind of what Cleveland does in their games. Uh, at least I remember this during the finals uh, back when they were in the finals was they, whenever the Warriors went to the free throw line, they would put like Ben Roethlisberger up on the, on the jumbotron. Right. And then just to get the crowd to like boo louder 
or they do something like that, some hated rival. Like they need to do something like that to just kind of distract. Well, there's nothing normal about this, right? So I think it's kind of futile to strive for a sense of normalcy with virtual fans, right? Like it's just not going to work. So embrace the weird and, 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 you know, just kind of go all in on that. I do think that there's a lot of room here for, you know, we saw Paul Pierce and, and Chris Bosch. There's a lot of room here for celebrity cameos and it'll kind of be like, you know, when Versus does their battles on IG Live and everyone famous is just in the room. Like, I think that there's, you know, you can have some fun with it, but no, nah, it's, it's, it's weird. All right. Um, I feel like the Spurs have been setting us up all damn season. The Spurs have found a way, like they were just messing with us. And once they got to this, you know, to this bubble, they knew that they were in position to be the best team in in pursuing the Grizzlies for the eighth seed because after two games, they are now uh, two games behind the Grizzlies. They beat the Grizzlies today. They're now two games behind. They're in sole possession of the the ninth seed. They would trigger the play-in tournament if it, if this holds. And the Spurs were some a team that we all thought like, oh, they're just being invited to the bubble. They don't actually matter. Lamarcus Aldridge isn't here, you know, so they're not going to do anything. Trey, what happened? Have the Spurs just been messing with us this whole time? I feel like they set us up. Nah, man. I think they just got this winning thing to a science. You know, they're they're, they're going to get the twenty third straight postseason. Yeah, that's what that's what it's looking like at this point. And at the end of the day, you have to factor in just whether it's RC or Pop or the fifteenth man to the athletic trainer. They got it down. So I know Pop went in throwing it up like as if he didn't care and letting you know every every coach on his staff become have a have a chance to become head coach each game during this, which is such a big troll and a, such a flex. Um. But yeah, man, they're just a class A organization and they do what it takes. They got guys also that'll buy in, you know what I'm saying? Whether it's whoever it may be. And at this point, they figured it out. You know what I mean? Like I know DeMar DeRozan gets a like tough slack sometimes. Ooh, he was and, killing at the end of this game. Oh my god. Listen, he gets he gets it in. But yeah. then you got other guys that's just stepping up. And and when their numbers called, they're they're doing what they can do. And guys are competitive and no matter what's happening, I mean, I know the Pelicans were favored for the eighth and, you know, um, other teams seem to kind of be losing and wish they should be taking a little bit more um, these games serious. The Suns are trying to lock in and it's such a a hard thing to follow. But, man, the Spurs, they've been here before. And they're, and coach. one thing about Coach Pop, whether you've been a call-up from the G League or – you know, some injuries happen. He's going to do the best with the best five out there. I'm I'm going to slow it down on the Spurs hype right now. <laughs> it took you guys all of two games in the bubble it's to be takes. on the San Antonio bandwagon. It's all takes. Nah, I, That's it? I just res- I just respect them in general. I don't, I'm not on anybody's bandwagon. Like we're we're talking about a team that is 29 and 36. That- all they all they have to be is two and zero against the Grizzlies once that playing tournament gets triggered. That's all they got to be. They play okay. Philadelphia. The Sixers don't know what the hell they're doing. Right? Skinny Jokic can't even outplay Bam out of bio. I know Bam's good. The Jazz are a disaster. The Pelicans are, are out of condition. And then they've got the Rockets and the Jazz again. This is, I'm, I think they're going to go 8-0, Jay. <laughs> That's a lot. I, I, I am enjoying all the Spurs hype because this is... It's just a two-game winning streak, but, oh, but man, it feels like you, 30. you guys are in there. It feels like 30. 
They're knocking on the door I, I, of the seventy two seventy three Lakers right now. It's just that Memphis and New Orleans are so freaking young, and I don't know how you can have faith in what they do. Uh, the, the the Spurs get have so many older players, and the execution is just going to be there. Um, you saw it at the end of that game where, you know, Dylan Brooks bites on a pump fake from DeMar DeRozan from 21 feet. Like, that's literally the shot. That's the shot you craft your defense to get the other team to take. I will say this. DeMar DeRozan is the king of using his pump fake to get people to, that's to jump. That's fair. That's fair. I have seen but, him. You know, that's, that's young people, man. I have seen him pump fake like six times in a row. And finally, on the sixth, Jalen Brown leapt. It was, it was incredible. But, but yeah, I mean, the, the Spurs to me, like they beat two of the worst teams in the bubble. So I, I'm not I'm not ready to crown the Spurs just yet. They do have a much easier schedule going ahead than like Memphis or Portland do, though. If you if you want to look at it like that, so I don't know. Like I I'm not too high on the Spurs, but they could they could do this, and it would be annoying as hell if they do. <laughs> uh, I just want to Waz. I'm not sure if you know, but next season Dylan Brooks makes 11.4 million dollars. The season after that, 12.2 million. The season after that, 11.4. So he's got a really good agent. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of an NBA, uh, fattest or like non, quick twitch person. Like if you don't dribble past people, I, I kind of it's hard for me to respect you as an NBA wing. So you don't, so you don't in subscribe any, to like, Ethan's fat is just potential in disguise. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. When you when you are a wing and you don't like watching him try to dribble past people, I'm just like, what is happening here? <laughs> so like, I, I'm the last person that like he he profiles as somebody I just hate off the bat. Not hate, but you know that I'm just not gonna believing off the bat but hey man get your paper in, young man in unrelated, get your paper black man oh boy in, uh, in unrelated <laughs> news was zion williamson's had some struggles talking yeah, about man. you know players maybe not in great condition uh he played 15 minutes i don't know how many minutes he played against the clippers but they were down 30 so it doesn't really matter uh, he looked okay in the first game back uh he scored what 13 points in 15 minutes didn't grab any rebounds he was bad defensively but the pelicans were bad defensively in that game um as dude a he whole. does not run he doesn't run. It's kind if of you a watch him, Yeah, if you watch him move around the court, I mean, on defense, forget about it. Like, he's just straight up decided he's not going to move his feet on defense this season. Um, but even on offense, it seems like he's kind of just pacing from one area of the court to the other. But he's still scoring pretty efficiently. And I don't know. I, I, I get um, Griff and the, the, the Grizzlies, excuse me, the Pelicans sort of um, precaution here. Uh, obviously, we all wish we could get to watch him more and sort of watch him be unleashed, but I get it. Um, I'm not interested in the story. I don't think the team is very good, but I get I get what they're doing. Yeah, well, Griff had an interesting comment. So Lisa Salters um, talked to him during the Clippers game on on Saturday and was asking about that. And, and he essentially said, "Look, this because he missed so much time away in the you know from the bubble, he didn't get five on five reps." Right, like he didn't get any of those opportunities. These these minutes on the floor are his five on, five on five reps that he would have normally gotten. This is getting him back into conditioning because they don't really have another opportunity. 
Um, I guess my I think qu- he had a total of like four or five on five. Yeah. Uh, reps since the shutdown. And he was also out for 13 days, like attending to a family affair. Right. So I yeah. Could, you know, I get it. But Kavitha, then like if if he's not ready. And they're worried about soft tissue injuries, which which they are right. Like, I mean, Griff said that, like when guys get fatigued, that's that's when soft tissue issue or injuries tend to tend to happen. And so we're trying to minimize that by just playing him in these bursts and tracking his conditioning and everything. If that's the case, I do wonder if he should even be playing at all. Now I'm going to, I'm going to defer to the, to the Pelicans staff with Aaron Nelson and everybody, because they're, they are the best at this. Uh, Griff brought them in for a reason and they are the best at this. And so I, I, I know that they're the experts here, but, um, but at least through the first two games, it's looked atrocious. Now, the next six are a lot easier for the Pelicans, so maybe it won't look nearly as as stark, and it, and it won't, you know, it won't be it won't be as as grim as it seems at times for them, and, and they can grab some momentum, and then he can get back into shape even more. But at least early on, I'm thinking if he can only play 15 minutes, I don't really understand why he's out there. I think that that's a fair question. I think that it's also, you know, like you said, it's the best medical staff in the game. But how did they arrive at 15 minutes? I just want to know that. Like, you know, I think that he played 18 in his debut back in January. So this is three fewer minutes than that. I just I'd like to know some of some of the reasoning here. But, you know, like you said, they're they're not a good team. They're not anywhere near the playoffs without proper you know, minutes from Zion. So why why is he even out there if not just to get him back into play shape for next season? Yeah, to, to to me, like you need your young guy to get reps. He hasn't been injured for a long time. Like he, he missed part of training camp. Obviously, I, I think the the minutes restriction is smart. But I also think he just needs to get himself in shape. This is a guy who you would make routine, amazing, amazing defensive plays at Duke. He would jump and block guys at the three point arc when he started the play thirty feet away. He would chase down guys for blocks you don't see really any of that from him and th- that's disappointing he and needs I, to get but himself i think in that shape. i think that it, yeah i think that is the condition now their next their last six games for the reseeding memphis sacramento washington san antonio sacramento orlando six and oh is in play right and those games against the spurs now and and the grizzlies like those are massive games i don't know what the kings are going to look like the wizards game is already a win just give them like that team that team needs to go uh, I'm done with them, but, um, but like, so it, it can get corrected pretty easily for this Pelicans team. Now, I don't know if that's going to be enough to hold off everyone else and to get into that ninth seed to trigger the playing game, uh, playing tournament. But I mean, it is set up for them to, you know, yeah, it would have been nice if they had beaten the, the jazz, but this is, this schedule is really is set up for them to, to prosper here. But listen, those are winnable games. And if you know that Zion is limited to 15 minutes, you just have to distribute those minutes better. There's no reason that Zion should be out for the last seven minutes of a game that you could absolutely win. Um, I just don't understand what what the reasoning is in front-loading the few minutes that you have from him. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I don't know that it's – and I don't know that it's 15 15- – 15 minutes exactly right like they do seem to keep saying no it's just short bursts we're gonna wait till he's tired well he looks tired right away so i don't (laughs) i don't know what you do with that when he looks tired right away but they they do have certain things that they're monitoring i mean i don't know if you guys remember back in december but zion was um cleared to practice and cleared to do some drills and stuff and they kept him out of those practices because they said hey 
we're going to fix the way he runs over the next few weeks. Like we don't like the way he runs his, his running style. So we're going to, we're going to fix that. So like they do go way in depth with this stuff. I do think that they're looking at different stuff than just how many minutes he's on the floor. They are looking at the, at, you know, the conditioning of it all and, and where those bursts are coming and how he's, how he's looking in those situations. But, um, but I do just, man, if he, if he's only playing that, that little was, I just feel like I I'm worried about injury. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm kind of with Jay in the sense that it is always important. Sorry, that was Instagram. Um, <laughs> um, I'm I'm kind of with I'm kind of with Jay in the sense that it is always important against your young guys' reps, and like he's in such terrible conditioning. Like it just needs to happen. Like this dude needs to get a feel for NBA level intensity, dude. Like. And that's the one thing that has just been undeniable about the bubble start is that there haven't been any of these Tuesday night league pass stinkers that we're so used to seeing from regular season basketball. This These games have all been played at incredible intensity levels. And I just think it's important for Zion to get that. It's sort of like, it's not the same, but I put it in the same category as when, you know, a young team claws their way into the eighth seed of the playoffs and they get to touch the playoffs like that level of different type of NBA basketball and they get the experience and it can be formative for them I think this is similar when it comes to Zion because he is their future and so man he needs to freaking play man and he needs to like stop sucking wind every single time he runs up the floor one time he did dunk he you know, some lobs he can dunk. He's a good dunk. Yeah, it's he amazing. Is. It is amazing. <laughs> it's amazing what he's done production-wise, offensively, without being in top shape. Like, this, yeah. this is a guy who has not played an NBA game in good condition yet and is still just blasting through people for layups and dunks at will. So it's incredible what what he is already. And But I, I think the conditioning aspect especially is going to unlock the defense because I, I think he has so much potential on that end and he hasn't shown any of it. Right now he's a defensive minus and he should be a, a big plus. Yeah, but you know what bothered me about that is, is why, at least in the Jazz game, I mean, they were just destroyed by the Clippers from, from the perimeter, but in the Jazz game what bothered me is like everyone focused on that one play where Mike Conley just blows by him, right? Well, and Mike Conley's good. Like, Mike Conley's gotten guys before. I'm not saying he played okay defense or acceptable defense on that play, but, like, a rookie getting getting blown by by Mike He's Conley. He's NC State's point guard. Exactly. Like, I'm like, <laughs> all right. Like, yeah, he could have played that a lot better. But, all right, you know, a borderline all-star most years got him. I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, but to me, I was looking at that. I'm like, all right, Derek Favors is a veteran. Brandon Ingram's a veteran enough, right? Lonzo Ball is veteran enough, at least in comparison to Zion. Those guys suck defensively in that game. Lonzo had some good moments, but for the most part, like, those dudes sucked. Like, Derek Favors was a much bigger problem than Zion in that game. And so I just found it weird that we were that we were focusing on Zion. I'm like, really, the rookie? That's the one? That's the one we're F- going to focus Favors on Favors right didn't now? want Zion to feel alone, out of shape. <laughs> He's dragging his leg once again. It would be easier <laughs> to name the times where Derek Favors isn't dragging his leg. Because he just, he just can't move. Um, so does anyone have faith in the Pelicans... Going on a run here and, and finding nope. a way to outlast the Spurs. No, no. 
I actually think I actually think they will go on a run because their schedule is set up for them to go on a run. I I don't think they're like the best team of of that bunch, but I just think their schedule, like they're gonna tick off some wins and they're talented too. Like they have Zion, they have Ingram. Zion's minutes restrictions will get looser and looser as as this bubble goes along. I think they'll end up racking up some wins. I think they're going to get into the plan against somebody. <laughs> somebody. All right, la- last thing. Trey, are we going to calm down with the technical fouls in these quiet gyms, or are the refs still going to overreact? Because I have nah, not been happy this with is, this. This is the refs moment. Definitely not. <laughs> We're going to see some more stuff. <laughs> this is the one shining moment that they get, so... Just be prepared for it to be frustrated and possibly want to throw your remote at your screen. But um, <laughs> I do, moving forward, I hope the uh, NBA allows the players to show emotion because they need it, and the game misses it so much. These techs for getting dunked on, let me yell in your face. <laughs> exactly. If you get dunked on, you di- like the whole team should get to walk up one by one and yell in your <laughs> face until the play resumes. <laughs> Yeah, the refs got to relax. But shouts to my man, Zach Zarber, um, Brooklyn Zone, Midwood High School. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the vibes, bro. Do I? With Zach Zarba? Yes, sir. (laughs) 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 Well, that screeching halt's going to bring this podcast to an end. Uh, Make sure you check out the lead. Kavitha, what's coming up on the lead? Uh, We've got our hockey preview on Monday. uh, And then, you know... We've, we were slated to talk about Joe Kelly and the Astros, but, you know, the baseball season might blow up by Tuesday, so stay tuned. And then I think we're going to talk about college football players possibly pushing for unionization. So Let me tell you, I, it, it, with the caveat that he may have problematic stuff that I'm not aware of, Joe Kelly has be quickly become my favorite baseball player. I mean, here's my thing about that, though. He cheated on the 2018 Astros. This dude has no leg to stand on. And I say that as a very bitter Yankees fan <laughs> who, who came one game away from the World Series in 2017 and won 105 games in 2018 and didn't win the division because the cheating Red Sox won 108. So, yeah. <laughs> Kavita, you my, you, my, you, my, you my dog now since you're a Yankee fan. All right. Hey, go, go Yankees. And, uh, and Waz, how are the Mets doing? Don't stop. All right. <laughs> there we go. Don't do this. Don't do this. Well, check, Don't make do sure this. you check out Don't the lead. Make sure you check that out. Every, just set up the automatic downloads. Also, you can comment on the lead. Just like you can comment on anything on The Athletic once you subscribe. Remember, theathletic.com slash NBA show. You get 40% off an annual subscription. It's $2.99 a month. Uh, check out Kavitha Davidson. Check out Jay King with Celtics coverage. Check out... Trevon Edwards, who's covering the Bucks. Check out that podcast. Make sure you check out Wazney Lambre. We got Hoops Adjacent this week. Right? Why does he got to come back? Did he leave? Check out my bubble life, too, man. Check out bu- so. Oh, check out NBA Bubble Life. Absolutely. Check out NBA Bubble Life. Check out uh, Point of Contention. I will be moderating the Ethan Strauss, Marcus Thompson uh, arguments, which just means that uh, it's just a lot of them talking and me trying to interrupt them throughout the whole time because these guys just don't shut up. Don't, don't have them on the lead, Kavitha, because will, it will, it's going to be a three-hour podcast. If you I think we've had on. Ethan on once, and I wanted to have Marcus on to talk about weed in the bubble. Oh, God, that was a great story. Yeah. But check out all that great stuff on The Athletic. Uh, for Trevon Edwards, Wazzy Lambert, Jake King, Kavita Davidson, and Mike Smeltz, I'm Zach Harper. Keep it locked in on The Athletic. <laughs> <laughs>